Hello everyone, what is up? Welcome back to another episode of Killer Instinct. I hope you all are having a great week so far. And if you are new here, hi, my name is Savannah and I'm your host of Killer Instinct. Before we get started, make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. That way you never miss an episode. We post weekly on the podcast every Wednesday and on YouTube on Wednesdays as well. Before we jump into today's case, I do want to say just one more time, thank you guys so much for your understanding with last week and our technical difficulties, but it did end up working out pretty well because the case that we chose to present to you guys last week, the old case, was one that a lot of you hadn't heard before, and it was really interesting to go through and read your comments and theories, and so if you had not gone and listened to that case that we did from last week. I highly, highly recommend that you do. It is a very compelling one. Today we are discussing Christine Paolilla and what drove her to commit a quadruple homicide in Texas in 2003. This is a really wild case because while it is solved, it really kind of still feels unfinished just in regards to the why factor of this case. So I'm really interested to see what you guys have to say about it. And with that all being said, let's jump right on into it today. Christine Paolilla was born on March 31st, 1986 in Long Island, New York to her parents, Lori and Charles. Lori was a stay-at-home mom while Charles worked in construction and Christine also had an older brother. Now, sadly, when Christine was only two years old, her father died in a construction accident. And in order for her mom, Lori, to cope with the grief, Lori really ended up leaning on and relying on drugs. And because of that drug usage, Lori ended up losing custody of Christine and her brother five years later. Christine and her brother were placed into the care of their grandparents when Christine was seven years old. And three years later, when she was 10, she was diagnosed with alopecia. And if you're unfamiliar with alopecia, it is an autoimmune disease that causes your hair to fall out, all of your hair all over your body. And there's definitely more that goes into it, but I clearly am not a doctor, but that is the basis of the side effects that happen. Now, while alopecia is fairly common, when you are getting diagnosed at 10 years old, you're at school and you're surrounded by young kids who are practically looking for things to bully you about, it was definitely a difficult transition for Christine. It's a, it would be a difficult transition for anyone, regardless of the time in your life. But when you look at the fact that she was 10 years old, going through school, and all of the challenges that come along with that already, and then having to add this one on top of it, this was definitely very, very difficult for her. And Christine's classmates definitely did not make this any easier. They ridiculed her every chance that they would get. Christine did start wearing wigs to school at one point because her hair had fallen out a substantial amount. However, her classmates would walk up to her and rip the wigs off of her head and basically just humiliate her in front of everyone. So Christine was having a difficult time at school and obviously her family life, she was also dealing with some issues there in regards to the custody and not being with her mom. However, luckily Lori was able to overcome this drug addiction and she eventually got custody of her children back. And not only that, shortly after regaining custody, Lori ended up remarrying another man. So this kind of broken family of three is now becoming a family of four and they were living in New York at the time. However, once Lori remarried, she decided that the best thing to do for everyone, it seemed, would be to relocate so this family could have a fresh start. 
And so they decided on relocating to Clear Lake City, Texas, which is a suburb of Houston. Now, Clear Lake City is actually known to be one of the best neighborhoods in regards to safety. So everyone figured that this would be a great move for the family. Now, once they had moved and gotten settled, Christine enrolled into Clear Lake High School. And unlike her last school that she had gone to, which was just absolutely dreadful for her, Christine actually had a very different experience this time. She actually very quickly became friends with two of the most popular girls at this school. And their names were Tiffany Rowell and Rachel Colraudis. Rachel and Tiffany were a year older than Christine. However, they quickly and without question really took Christine under their wing and the three of them became the best of friends. They did absolutely everything together. Rachel even kept a picture of Christine in her purse and on the back of it, Christine had written this little note for her that said, damn, we've had some crazy memories. I love you. And Rachel and Tiffany really helped Christine in a lot of ways, but one that was probably the most helpful for her was in her confidence. Having alopecia and losing all of her hair really took a toll on Christine's, you know, view of herself and her self-worth and her confidence. However, Rachel and Tiffany really made it a point to show Christine that this was not something that needed to define her. They would go shopping for new wigs and new clothes and makeup together. And because of all of this, Christine actually became voted Miss Irresistible by the student body for the student superlatives in 2003. The three of them actually became so close that besides her family, Tiffany and Rachel were the only people that Christine would allow to see her without a wig on. So that's how much trust she had in Rachel and Tiffany. That's how much she valued their friendship and appreciated them. Now things started to get a little dicey. In 2003, when 17-year-old Christine started dating a 21-year-old guy named Christopher Snyder. Now she had actually met Christopher when she was just in the eighth grade, and there was not one person in Christine's life who approved of this relationship. Christopher had a long history of drug abuse and was very controlling over Christine. And while Tiffany and Rachel would try to deter her from Christopher and her family also would say that they didn't like their relationship, it really only pushed Christine closer to Christopher. And ultimately the inevitable ended up happening, which was Christine started experimenting with drugs with Christopher. The two of them began doing drugs together and ultimately Christine became addicted. And if the drugs weren't a problem enough, their relationship was also incredibly violent and volatile. Now we definitely have a little bit of a he said, she said situation here because both Christine and Christopher's family tell a very different story. Christine's family said the violence was solely on Christopher's side. However, Christopher's family said that Christine was the aggressor in the relationship and that she was very controlling and had extreme jealousy issues. Christopher's family recalls one night where Christine and him were arguing and the fight got so bad that Christopher ended up telling her to leave his house. And once she left the house, she slept on the lawn all night, threatening to kill his entire family. And according to Christopher's family, this behavior became so much of a pattern for Christine that the family actually nicknamed her the psycho. That's 
literally what they would refer to her as. They wouldn't call her Christine. That was kind of like their little inside joke nickname for Christine because of her pattern of behavior that she had displayed. And along with that, Christopher's friends said that on several occasions, Christopher confided in them and said that there were only two things that scared him most in the world. And that was the cops and Christine. So obviously there's a lot of he said, she said going on and finger pointing in this situation. However, Christine's best friends, Rachel and Tiffany, were also very much against this relationship. And at this point, it was a little bit more difficult because Rachel and Tiffany were about to graduate high school. So Christine almost felt like she had to lean on Christopher because without Christopher and without Rachel and Tiffany, because they would be going off to college, she really felt like she had no one. But again, that really was just her own narrative of what was going on, Rachel and Tiffany reassured Christine that no matter what, the three of them were always going to remain as close as they once were. And obviously, as you know, if you have gone through the transition of high school to college, you do tend to lose contact with some or a lot or sometimes all of your friendships. However, you still have that idea of, you know, we're going to remain friends and everything is going to be okay. And sometimes that does happen. It's very different for everyone. But Rachel and Tiffany were very reassuring to Christine that they all were going to remain just as close. And they also tried to remind Christine that she deserved someone better. Rachel and Tiffany had done so much work in regards to trying to build up Christine's self-worth and help her with her confidence. So this all brings us to July 18th of 2003. And on this day, Tiffany and Rachel were at Tiffany's apartment and they were also hanging out with Tiffany's boyfriend, Marcus, as well as his cousin, Aldebert. I'm not quite sure what the relationship was between Aldebert and Rachel. If there was one at all, there's some sources that say that they were dating. There's some sources that say that they were just friends. Not too sure about that, but the four of them were all hanging out together at Tiffany's apartment. Now, I want to give you a little background on who these four are. So Rachel was born on November 20th, 1984 to her parents, George and Anne. She grew up in the suburbs outside of Houston and was one of several siblings, and she was incredibly close to her family. Rachel was described as a very bright girl who had long brown hair and a huge smile that would light up a room. After high school, she had plans to attend college and also considered joining the Air Force. Rachel had multiple jobs growing up, including being a babysitter due to her love for children. She was also very artistically talented and loved to draw and paint. She led the youth drama ministry at her church for two years and also served as a youth counselor at several summer camps. Now, Tiffany Rowell was born on April 24th, 1985 to her mother, Sally and Chester. Her parents split up when she was young and her father ended up remarrying to her stepmother, Christine. She grew up with her sister, Tracy, and sadly, Tiffany's mom, Sally, passed away in 1998, just five years before Tiffany would. Marcus Priscilla was 19 years old and born on August 29th, 1983, to his mother, Charlene, and his father, Marty. He grew up with his sister, Marie, and his stepfather, David, and he was said to have been a very generous and compassionate young man, and he had a love for restoring cars. He was also attending San Jacinto College and was dating Tiffany Rowell. 
Now, sadly, I wasn't able to find as much information as I would have liked on Aldebert or really any at all. I could only find his birthday, which was May 12th, 1982, and that he was Marcus's cousin. So like I said, the four of them are all spending time at Tiffany's apartment this day. And Tiffany and Rachel had actually recently graduated from Clear Lake High School at this point, And they were waitressing at local strip clubs in the summer before they plan on heading off to college several months later. The waitressing gigs were really just to make some quick cash during the summer. So the four of them were just spending time at Tiffany's apartment when Christine and Christopher decided to show up. Now, it was said that the reason that Christine and Christopher went over there in the first place was because they were going to pick up drugs from Marcus, and Marcus was said to have been pretty well known for selling drugs like ecstasy and cocaine. However, ultimately, something unimaginable happened. Imagine an app designed to make you use it less. Seems a little counterproductive, right? Well, apartments.com's instant alert feature works exactly that way. Instead of scanning rental listings a million times a day, simply set and forget your search to whatever you're looking for in a place and let apartments.com do the rest. From pet-friendly apartments to balconies to in-unit ACs, apartments.com's powerful search tools let you know when the perfect combination of features you're seeking is listed. So you don't have to power through rental descriptions one by one. With more rental listings than anywhere else, apartments Apartments.com's instant alerts mean that you can spend less time looking for the perfect place and more time on just doing you. Apartments.com, the place to find a place. Christine and Christopher arrived to the apartment at 3.30 p.m. And when they walked in, they pulled out guns and began open firing at all four of them. A total of 40 shots were fired and Tiffany, Marcus, and Aldebert were killed instantly. Once they felt like everyone was killed, Christine and Christopher then walked out of the apartment. However, just as they were about to leave, Christine heard noises coming from inside and she realized that Rachel was still alive. She walked back into the apartment and saw Rachel crawling on the floor in attempts to reach a nearby phone. However, this is when Christine began striking her in the head multiple times with a 38 caliber revolver until she was dead. And while being struck with the gun, Rachel was choking on her own blood, screaming at Christine, asking her why. And to this day, that is the question that everyone wants to know. Now, later that day, two other friends of Christine's were planning on going over to Tiffany's house. And when they got there, they walked in on an absolute horror scene. All four of them had been shot and killed and there was blood everywhere. These two friends immediately called police. And when police and the coroner arrived, that's when they were able to figure out that over 40 bullets were fired. However, the person who was injured the most was Rachel. Rachel's head was bashed in and she also had a clump of hair in her right hand. Along with that, Rachel was also shot at least 12 times, which indicated to police that this was definitely an overkill. In typically in overkill situations, that leads police to believe that this had to be someone who had a vendetta out against the victims and knew the victims personally because someone who was just a random intruder, and if this was a crime of opportunity instead of a crime of passion, typically you're not going to overkill 
And also what was interesting to police is that both Rachel and Tiffany were also shot in the crotch area, which kind of indicated to authorities that this could have been someone who had sexual jealousy towards the girls or viewed them as competition. Now, at first, authorities had a really, really hard time piecing all of this together. There was little to no evidence at all at the crime scene, and because of Marcus's drug-related background, authorities figured that the murders were more than likely just drug-related and that Marcus could have been the targeted person. However, everyone else was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And along with that, in the beginning of the investigation, authorities were receiving hundreds of tips However, the majority of them all related to Marcus's drug history. So that only strengthened police's theory that this had to be because of Marcus and his drug use. The last person anyone really ever thought that this would be actually was Christine. And Christine was acting like an emotional wreck after the murders. She was crying constantly and she actually refused to go to the girl's funeral because she said that it would make her so upset. And that went on, like I said, for years, three years to be exact. Now, Christopher actually ended up going to jail. However, for nothing that was related to this case, he went to jail for theft and Christine ended up going to rehab, which is where she met and married a man named Justin Rott, who also had struggles with the use of heroin. Christine and Justin had married just four months after they had met and they also purchased an apartment together. And for Christine, at least, life really did seem to just keep moving along. Now, like I said... Almost three years later, nearing the third year anniversary of the murders, something very interesting happened. Justin and Christine were sitting down just watching the news one night, and there was a segment about the murders that began to play. They talked about how this was still an unsolved mystery, but that the anniversary was coming up, and they were asking if anyone had any you know, new leads or new tips to call police. And during the segment, they also showed a composite sketch of a young woman who was believed to be involved in the killings. This composite sketch came from a witness and this witness was a neighbor of Tiffany's who said that she just kind of briefly saw a woman running away from the scene with a man. Now, according to Justin, who was sitting there watching all of this with Christine, when the composite sketch played on the TV, Christine's entire demeanor changed and she began to really panic. She was pacing the living room back and forth, asking Justin if the composite sketch looked like her. And obviously Justin was super confused at the time because he had no idea of any of this. He was not made aware of this by Christine, had no idea what was going on and why Christine was freaking out so much. However, this is where Christine began to unravel. So this was the night that Justin really learned who he married. Christine ended up explaining everything to Justin. She told Justin that her and her ex-boyfriend Christopher had gone to Tiffany's house to steal money and drugs, which she claimed was Christopher's idea. She also claimed that she was surprised when right before they walked into the apartment, Christopher handed her a gun. 
And when they walked into the apartment, Christine said that Christopher immediately shot Marcus and then said that the gun that she was carrying mysteriously went off on its own and she lost control of it. And when that happened, she just started firing blindly around the room. So she walks in, Christopher shoots Marcus, and then her gun just so happens to weirdly go off and she's firing at everything. Bullets are flying everywhere. Christine said that she was crying the whole time this was happening because she didn't know how to get the gun to stop. And after everyone had been shot, Christine said that her and Christopher started walking out of the apartment. And that is when Christopher ordered Christine to go back inside just to ensure that everyone was dead. And that's when she bludgeoned Rachel over the head. After the murders occurred, Christine said that Christopher then drove her to Walgreens, which is where she was working at the time at the makeup counter. So just think about that for a second. She goes with her ex-boyfriend, kills four people. She bludgeons her best friend over the head. They walk out. She gets in the car, gets driven to Walgreens, got the job at the beauty counter, walks in, and nothing is ever spoken of again. Now, as you can imagine, when Justin heard this, he was in absolute shock because the woman that he had married, you know, and everyone comes with something that is probably something we're not proud of or something that we carry with us from relationship to relationship, whatever. Christine's thing is that she had committed a quadruple homicide. And for Justin, as you can imagine, sitting there listening to this, this was an incredibly difficult, conflicting decision because he's staring at the woman that he loves, staring at the woman that he married, listening to her talk about how she killed four people, two of them being her very best friends. So he was going through an array of different emotions at the time and really trying to process things. And it was clear to him that Christine was kind of spiraling at this point. Once she had seen the composite sketch picture, things really went downhill for her. So much so that she convinced Justin that the two of them had to leave their apartment and move in to a La Quinta Inn motel room in order to remain undetected. And this motel room ultimately became the place where... Christine and Justin started doing drugs together again. They were doing heroin daily together. Specifically, it was $500 worth of heroin and cocaine a day. And they never left their hotel room and did not allow housekeeping inside of it. And as you can imagine, over the few weeks of being in there and not leaving and doing that many drugs a day, this room started filling up with blood and vomit and feces and needles. And weeks ended up turning into months. This was not supposed to be a long-term thing by any means. However, over time, it ultimately became that they ended up living there for seven months. And then 10 days before the third anniversary of the murders in 2006, the Houston police actually received an anonymous tip from a man who claimed that he met Christine in rehab and she confessed to the killings. Now, surprise, surprise, the anonymous killer was actually traced back and police were able to see that it was her husband, Justin Rott, who ended up ultimately reporting her to the authorities. And after receiving this tip, police then used the next two days to track down Christine's ATM activity. That way they could figure out exactly where she was. And she was ultimately arrested on July 19th of 2006. And that was three years and one day after the murders. 
Now, Justin was also arrested for drug possession because of all of the heroin paraphernalia that was found in the motel room. Now, at first, Christine adamantly denied having any involvement in the murders. However, she slowly began opening up, and while admitting that she had involvement, she put all of the blame on Christopher and said that he was the one who was ultimately responsible for all of this. Police were able to track down Christopher and found him living with his girlfriend in Greenville, South Carolina. And immediately, there was a warrant put out for his arrest, and when he learned that, he ran into the woods and overdosed on prescription pills and died. And his body was found a few weeks later on August 5th, 2006. Christine was charged with four counts of capital murder, and she pled not guilty and testified to the jury that all of this was Christopher's idea, and she had no idea that he was planning on killing anyone until he began shooting. She claimed that she was terrified of Christopher, and during this trial, her story kind of changed a little bit because while she told Justin that the gun was just mysteriously firing off on its own and she was just kind of free shooting everywhere... During the trial, she actually said that the reason that the gun went off is because Justin put his hands over her hands on the gun and began shooting it for her. Now, even though there wasn't a lot of physical or forensic evidence in this case, police were able to figure out that there were two guns that were fired simultaneously, which would have meant that both Christine and Christopher had their own separate weapon at the time. And Christine was also no stranger to guns or this specific gun in general because she had admitted to police after her arrest that she had shot this gun millions of times before. Now, during the trial, Justin also took the stand and he told the jury all about the confession that Christine made to him. He explained in detail all of the things that she told him, which is what I told you earlier. Now, ultimately, Justin's testimony was the sinking ship for Christine's case And on October 13th, 2008, Christine was convicted of four counts of capital murder and was sentenced to life in prison at the Mountain View Unit in Gatesville, Texas, where she still is to this day. So that is the case of Christine and these quadruple homicides. However, to this day, we still don't know what the driving force was. However, when you look at a murder of this capacity and you look at it being someone who was the best friend of these girls, you have to ask yourself why this happened. And this is something that everyone is really still trying to piece together to this day. Was she just under some influence of Christopher? Was it the drugs? Was it both? Was it something else? Maybe we just don't know. Now, Christopher's sister actually came forward and said, quote, I remember Christine being insanely jealous. There must have been some underlying jealousy between Christine and Rachel. When I saw Rachel, I knew instantly she was very beautiful, end quote. So could you also factor in a possible motive of Christine feeling like she was in competition or feeling jealousy towards Rachel and Tiffany? Absolutely. Again, we just don't know. And to this day, she has not apologized for what she did. Not that really it would make anything any better, but she's also not explained the motive as to why this all happened. She just blames Christopher for all of it. So there are a lot of questions in this case. You know, do you believe that Christine had no idea 
of what was going to happen when she walked into that apartment. Do you believe that Christopher just handed her the gun when they walked in and told her what the plan was? Do you believe that she was the one that was the driving force in this? I think personally where I fall in this is I do think that this was something that was premeditated between her and Christopher. So that's what I think, but I'm very curious to hear what you guys have to say. So with that being said, you guys, that is all for me today. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Killer Instinct. If you're new here, hi, my name is Savannah and I'm your host of Killer Instinct. Again, make sure you go ahead and hit the subscribe button. That way you never miss an episode. We post weekly every Wednesday on the podcast and on YouTube, and you're not going to want to miss it. I'll be back next week with a brand new case for you guys. And until then, stay safe. Bye guys.